Hello and welcome to True Crime Diary, in which we take a light-hearted look at a serious subject. Every two weeks we look back through the stories of true crime to find an event that took place on this week in history. I'm your host Mark Decano and with me as always are my friends Jed Lester Hello and Rue Turner. Hello. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you can and if you can't you can always email us to stuff at truecrimediary.co.uk and in appreciation of every five-star review we'll give you a shout out on a future episode. So the date we're looking at this week is the 22nd of July and in 1934 John Dillinger's year of murder and mayhem was brought to a dramatic end outside a movie theatre in Chicago and America's public enemy number one was brought down by the betrayal of a woman. Aren't we all? (laughs) Yeah. Um, The only thing I'll say about John, as I call him, (laughs) is um, how old, do you know how old he was when he died? Uh, He would have been 31. Now, if you were to show me a picture of when he was 31 and said, what's, how old is he? Hmm. I would have said he's 61 or something. <laughs> he was really? very weathered. They were different times, uh, weren't they, really? <laughs> no, I, but even so. We I did mean, age a lot faster back then. I mean, he I mean, he lived a hard life, I suppose, and main, mainly on the run. Well, we're going to find out, I suppose, aren't we? But I would he, say the, the, latter, he, the later photos of him, I'd say he looks quite dapper and uh, really? youthful. I wouldn't say. The, the later yeah. photos, so right. Well, anyway. all the ones after he died. I think I've just <laughs> seen. I think I've seen like prison mug shots or something like that. He looks absolutely. It's like how on earth is this bloke thirty-one? Perhaps he wasn't. Okay. He was probably late twenties. I, I think after a couple of weeks in prison, I'd look like I was in my sixties. Yeah. I'm going to show you a picture. This is the. Um, this is the one of. There's two photos of him that are quite famous. This is the later one after his plastic surgery. No, he looks. Uh, well, he doesn't look thirty-one. He looks. He, is that the one where you think he looks quite dapper? Yeah, he does I look think it's quite the dapper. He's still. He's still. It's a bit Clark Gable-y. Yeah. The um. It looks a bit snidey. He, he still doesn't look like <laughs> thirty-one. Anyway. Fair um, enough. <laughs> Duly noted. <laughs> uh, well, he was born in nineteen o three. John Herbert Dillinger. Uh, in Indianapolis, Indiana. He, his dad was a grocer. He was quite a disciplinarian, pa- apparently sometimes very harsh and sometimes very generous. His mum died when he was three. Hmm. And when he was nine, his father married again, and he resented his new stepmother. So he's, in his home life, he's, as a youth, um, he's got a disciplinarian father and a, and a stepmother he's not happy with. You're not my real mum. Yeah. So he pretty much started getting in trouble as soon as he was able. Okay. He dropped out of school, got a job in a machine shop, but even then he was bored and he would stay out all night. He was a troubled youth. Age? Uh, what age? You're talking, um, well, by the time he was a, uh, a teenager. Oh, good. I, I, was, I, was hope, I, was, I thought Not at the age say. of nine. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought he was going to say. <laughs> he stayed out all night. He got a job in a, as a machinist. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Wasn't he in a gang called the Dirty Dozen or something when he was very young? With his running around in Indianapolis, his father was concerned about being corrupted by the city. So he moved the whole family to a farm in Mooresville in the rural setting. And so Dillinger would have been about 18 right. uh, at the time. 
and that's when he and his friends started the, the gang called the Dirty Dozen. <laughs> so yes, petty thefts, no pranks and things, not not a serious crime. But a, an indicator of what was to come. Yeah, exactly. He's a lag. Yeah. Right. Was it an indicator or was it just... I think it is really, yeah. If you're in a... Yeah, but I mean, he was just you just said hijinks or something. Hijinks. It's a Unless broad bracket, hijinks. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't... It was like hitting post post mailboxes with baseball bats, probably, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. That's As opposed to... Kicking yeah, chickens. Let's murder something <laughs> for a laugh. Yeah. yeah, like petty theft, that sort of thing. Stealing sweets. <laughs> Yep, that's that's the that's the usual progression. That's the usual um, one. Steal sweets. Fall out with your dad. Steal some sweets. Yeah. Tons of murders. <laughs> Stealing yeah. sweets is the gateway theft. Yeah, quite right. Yeah, <laughs> I'm surprised I, I didn't go into murdering. <laughs> Why are we all gathered here today <laughs> to talk about John Herbert Dillinger? That's my first question. Well, as I said in the intro, because he was <laughs> public enemy number one. Oh, you didn't say that, did you? I did, yeah, it is. Oh, Thanks I for wasn't listening. listening. <laughs> I listened, but then uh, I had a small piece of fluff in my ear. Was that the first time someone had been labelled with that? Yes and no. Because I seem to remember, might have been last week or any of the other weeks, that you <laughs> said uh, four people have had that. That title. Yes, four people have had been given that title by the Department of Investigation, the forerunner of the FBI. Right, don't tell me. Right, hang on, it was probably last week. Bonnie and Clyde. Eh. Oh, God. <laughs> um, how about H.H. Holmes? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> That's way too early, isn't it? Too early, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. About 50 years too early. Was John Dillinger the first one? John Dillinger was the first one to be given that title by, let's call him the FBI. But one yes. person had been given the title before, but only mm. in Chicago. Uh, oh, Alan Capone. Correct. <laughs> was that his real name? Alan. Alphonse. Oh, damn. <laughs> Alan. He would have lost so much, would have lost so much uh, kind of cred. Was there, a, was there a number two, or was he just floating there on his own at number one? <laughs> there was only a number yeah, yeah. one. Yeah, okay. He's public enemy number two. It's like, ugh, it's rubbish. Um, it's arguably he's not number one if there's not number two. He's just public enemy. There's no list. Well, there, there no are many public enemies. One. <laughs> it's not a list. There's, there's many public enemies. It is enemies, a list. But there's there's num- there is a one. Yeah, but they weren't all public enemy number one. They were At all the public enemy number one, one after the other. Okay, all right. So, was he the first? you can't have a list of one. Oh, yorks. <laughs> Let's start over. This is ridiculous. So. Was Guy Fawkes in the list? No. <laughs> okay, Dillinger was public enemy number one. He was the first one. When he was killed, Yes. Uh, public enemy number one became... Oh, uh, right. The uh, mantle is passed. Mantle was passed to Pretty Boy Floyd. It's like the oldest we're, man in the world. And we're, yeah, it gets and we're Boy, down the line. Yeah, when Pretty Boy Floyd was killed, he was replaced by Lester Gillis, who was also known as not so pretty, Baby Babyface Nelson. Uh, okay. And then when Babyface Nelson was killed, the final one was 
Alvin Carpis, who we spoke about on the Alcatraz. He's the longest serving inmate of Alcatraz. Oh, yes. Right, I wouldn't have got any of them. Clearly. <laughs> we, know, <laughs> we know how well you retain information. <laughs> <laughs> um... Do you want me to go over public enemy number one again, or are, you, are we done with <laughs> I that? I think it's, it's best not to, either way. Best not to. Okay, fine. Moving on. It, <laughs> insert sting here. <laughs> so in 1922, he's arrested for stealing a car. Yep. Now, to get out of his uh, situation, he joined the US Navy in 1923 as a petty officer third class, which is a, basically the equivalent of a, a corporal. Um, he's aboard the USS Utah, but he deserted after only a few months when the ship docked in Boston. Mm-hmm. And later on, they dishonorably discharged him. Mr. Dillinger, I'm so very disappointed in you. He went back to Mooresville, where he met Beryl Hobius, and they were married in 1924 and moved back to Indianapolis. Pretty much as soon as he lands in town, he starts planning robberies. You can't go in there with your gloves and your mask and your weapon and get to robbing and got no escape plan, okay? Right, so straight into it. Straight into it, yeah. You'd have thought there'd be, even if you were against the notion of being in the military, something would be instilled in you, but uh, by the fact that he ran away and didn't want to be there, clearly not. Well, clearly, I think either discipline makes the man out of you or it makes a criminal out of you. (laughs) Clearly. (laughs) You've run away from it. Well, clearly, it's the other one, yeah. So rebellious, yeah. not even the army could kick him into shape. Exactly. From petty theft to petty officer to petty... Please tell me then went on to sell knickers. <laughs> to petty coats. Or, al- or albums by Tom Petty. <laughs> so, is the, did he do any of that? Because that really would help my hilarious anecdote. Your petty pursuit. <laughs> Right, so he moved back to Indianapolis. He's back in Indianapolis. He met up with a friend and an ex-con named Ed Singleton. They knew each other through, of all things, uh, a semi-pro baseball team. Where yeah, cool. Singleton, Singleton was the coach and John played. Uh, John Dillinger played shortstop. Right, right. Now, an interesting thing happened because together they planned the robbery of a grocery store. They steal $50 from this grocery store. Yep. But during the robbery, Dillinger had a gun on him which he fired he didn't hit anybody but he fired a gun mm-hmm. and he hit a victim with a, a machine bolt wrapped in a cloth you know like oh. picture a roller quarters in a sock mm. hit as in cudgel. hit hit he yeah he was bashed badly wounded yeah it gave, yep. him a, uh, it gave him a lick of the head okay yep now a local minister saw the men leave and he recognised them and reported them to the police so the next day both of them were picked up and uh, Singleton got two years for robbery, but Dillinger's father advised him to plead guilty because he had a conversation with the county prosecutor, and they basically said, "Yeah, if you, you know, if you plead guilty, you'll get leniency." Okay. But um, but he didn't get leniency because he was charged with assault and battery, conspiracy, and robbery, and he was sentenced to ten to twenty years. So, <laughs> did pleading guilty made it worse? I don't know that he would have not been found guilty anyway. No, yeah. no, you're right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> doesn't sound like sound but, advice, but it, it didn't help. <laughs> No, no, it didn't help. It just made the proceedings a bit shorter. <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. Because you didn't have to argue. Um, right, right. Ten to twenty. It's Ten to bit, twenty years. Bit random. <laughs> uh, anyway, a lot, quite a long time. It was quite imprecise, let alone random. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just looking at two photographs of Dillinger. 
One is the classic dapper one that you showed us earlier, and another yes. one is almost identical, but he doesn't have the moustache. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. shockingly different. He looks like a villain without the moustache. With the moustache, yeah. he looks like a film star. Yeah. It's surprising. 100%. And that is the power of a moustache. Yeah. <laughs> People don't realise that the power... The awesome power. ...of a moustache. <laughs> Never underestimate the power of a moustache. Uh, James L. Jones needs to say that. And we'd all go, oh, yeah. You need to <laughs> underestimate You need, um, you need that, little, that little clip from uh, the Tick animated series coming in there. Do you remember that one? Kind of a... Um, Mustache feeling. <laughs> I'm just thinking of the uh, song and dance from A Million Ways to Die in the West. Oh, mustache. Oh, mustache. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> That's, um, what's his name? Neil Patrick Harris. Him. Yeah. Oh, mustache. Oh, mustache. Oh, mustache. <laughs> Excellent. Really good. Well, anyway, it never underestimates the power. The power of a mustache. Would you say. It's all about the time in um, place in time and popular culture at the time. But the the cowboy um, more handlebar has mm. given way to you'd call it pencil, wouldn't you? Mm. Yes, yeah, he's yeah, got a pencil, pencil. moustache, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so from pencil, I mean, far be it from me to suggest it was the fashion, but I would say. From pencil, it might have gone to toothbrush uh, in <laughs> a couple of decades later. Yeah. Um, but yeah. the Clark Gable pencil <laughs> is what he uh, bought it, wasn't it? Yeah, very much so. The, the, it's the, very interesting that you mentioned Clark Gable. The pencil, oh, really? the pencil is very much yeah, yeah. A, a stretched out version of the, the toothbrush. Of, of toothbrush? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, if you had a toothbrush moustache, you pulled it long and thin. Yeah, because it's got to become taller and fatter to become... Toothbrush. Is that how moustaches work? Do you just pull it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It stays yeah, yeah. there. Definitely. Oh, okay. You twiddle the end. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah. Uh, now I'm with you. That's why those trendy coffee drinkers are always tugging. Otherwise, it would end up looking like Hitler. Excuse so you have me? to keep pulling on it. Otherwise, uh, to keep it nice and long and thin. Constant thin tugging. Dastardly. <laughs> oh dear. So Dillinger goes to prison. He's furious, obviously, and bitter at the harsh sentence. And he's quoted as saying, I will be the meanest bastard you ever saw when I get out of here. He spent his entire nine and a half years in prison. Not quite 10 to 20 then. Well, he got probation. He spent his entire time in prison planning robberies and learning from other cons and making friends. So he became a better criminal. Nine and a half years. He was released on the 10th of May, 1933. Wow. Unbelievable. See, I told you it was a significant date. It was, yeah, yeah. And it wasn't at the time, but... It was significant to him. 50, well, all right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and to your... What are you, like, 50 years later, you yeah, emerged? <laughs> I emerged blinking into the sunlight. <laughs> having having <laughs> planned a series of robberies inside. In the womb. <laughs> <laughs> at least that yep. one great escape, anyway. The one, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, for the listeners, from there. for the listeners' pleasure, for some reason Mark is connecting John Dillinger being released from prison to his birth because yeah, they're on the birth, same day. Yeah. yeah, and my release from prison. 
Now, he's out on probation at the height of the Great Depression, so, you know, not mm. a lot of chance of getting a job, realistically. No, no. So he thought long and hard about this and decided to turn to bank robbery. All right. Nice safe Almost job. immediately. <laughs> it was all those well, sweets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was an over-the-counter job in June. So he was released in May, and within a month, he stole $10,000 from the New Carlisle National Bank in Ohio. God, that's quite some, quite some quantity of cash. That's over two hundred thousand dollars today. Yeah, well, just the, um, the counter. Presumably, that at that time, things like that or equivalent must have just been <laughs> yeah. sweets happening all the time because of the yeah. climate they were in. It must have just been, I don't know about a free for all, but it would have been just an hourly occurrence, wouldn't it? As people were desperate. Are you, do you want to debate the? Uh morality and ethics of people being in a depression about whether they would all instantly turn to criminality. Do you think people robbed banks on an hourly basis? I don't know. <laughs> or do you think people are largely good and wouldn't do that? Um, I mean, they're normally largely good, but it would, they would have been, it would have been horrendous times, wouldn't it? Yeah, oh yeah, I'm not saying that they weren't hard up. Every <laughs> hour, every world. bank was robbed. <laughs> <laughs> In August, he robbed a bank in Bluffton, Ohio, and he was captured in, about a month later and taken to Lima County Jail. Now, on him, they found what he looked like her plans for a prison break. Um, they challenged him on it, but he's like, I don't know, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, he wasn't in prison. No, but we, interestingly, four days later, eight of his friends broke out of Indiana State Prison. Ah, ah okay. Now they were used. They used uh, smuggled shotguns and rifles. How? How do you smuggle a shotgun uh, yeah. into How a prison? How the hell do you get? <laughs> Small paper envelopes of drugs is one thing, but yeah, yeah, a shotgun yeah, yeah. is not something you can put in a cake or hide yeah, in well, your shot, trouser leg. Shotguns and rifles, <laughs> multiple weapons to smuggle. Wow, wow. Large, large, long-barreled weapons. Mm. So, no, God, God knows. But um, the breakout was orchestrated by. Dillinger, and in the breakout, two prison guards were, were shot. And then two weeks later, four men showed up at the Lima County Jail where Dillinger was being held. And they told the sheriff they were transferring him back to Indiana State for parole violation. And when the sheriff asked for ID, um, he was shot, beaten, and locked in the cell. And he bled out on the floor and died. Yeah. The four men escaped with Dillinger, and they were later identified as Harry Pierpont. Russell Clark, Charles Mackley, and Harry Copeland. And they'll come up again. So basically, for uh, now about a year, June 1933, so he's out in May 1933. And we know from our introduction that in, in June of 1934, he's killed. So he's got one year on the lap. He spent his, most of his adult life in prison. Yep. He's got one, one year. They've done at least 12 bank robberies in that time, and they've robbed four police stations. Right. I mean, that's quite niche, isn't it? You've got to admire the audacity of people yeah, yeah. <laughs> marching to a police station <laughs> to rob them. What rob are you going to do? Call the police? <laughs> yeah, well, they stole uh, guns, ammunition. That are in the, the. Yeah, from the whatever armory. Evidence room or something. Mm. Yeah, and they stole, well, police equipment, and they stole um, bulletproof right, right, right. vests. Bulletproof vest. Bulletproof vest, yeah, yeah. Completely bulletproof and machine washable. But also, while they're robbing banks, people are getting killed as well let's not forget oh, okay. the, the, right, right. we're talking about the romantic 
Yeah, yes, we are. The gangster. Yeah. But people get killed. In December 33, one of the gang members killed a police detective in Chicago. In January 34, another officer was shot during a bank robbery. This is the sheriff of C of the jail who, who died. There's a few people dying. Regardless, he became um, very... I don't know whether he was well-liked, but he was very, very well-known. He was, he was essentially a celebrity, wasn't he? He was a huge celebrity. Right, huge. Oh, okay. Yeah, in, in, a, same, in a good way. Good, yeah, good for him. Because again, and this is a very similar, there's a lot of similarity between them and Bonnie and Clyde. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because it's the same period of time. You know, so it's depression, it's 1933, 1934. Yep. They're robbing banks, and the banks and the police are seen as being enemies oh, of the people. Yes, helping the yeah. situation. Yeah, right, okay. Yeah. So people like, and they love a big story, and it's like, yeah, the, yeah. the Dillinger gang, they marched into the bank, and they, you know, and they love all that. It's a huge celebrity. It's such, such a celebrity, in fact, I've got a couple of things on that. Indianapolis ran a lottery on his capture, and it was so popular it had to be shut down. Because they, <laughs> How do you run a lottery on it? So what does that mean? Well, so they ran a book, you know, odds. So on the, the day he might get captured or something? or yeah. Right. On whether, yeah, on his capture, yeah, yeah, exactly. Why would they shut it down? They could make more money. Yeah, it wasn't a state lottery. <laughs> <laughs> oh right. His his father um, was offered public speaking engagements. Oh well. Wow. <laughs> he was offered a lot of money to speak about it. Dillinger. <laughs> now he, uh, Dillinger was using a Hudson uh, car at the time, and Hudson, uh, it was a Hudson dealership that hung a big banner outside. Uh, on the street saying that Dillinger chooses the 1934 Hudson for his personal use. They're advertising cars using his mm. name. A b- killer bank robber um, yeah. just general miscreant and yeah. th- his quote is outside the dealership to sell cars. The, yeah, the dealer's saying you know, he, uses, he drives one of these, you should drive one too. So it's like... But it gets, it gets even better because Ford got in on the act because um he switched to ford he, <laughs> what do you mean he switched he, oh he well he, he was literally driving hudson bought... oh right he, sorry yeah, yeah dillinger was driving hudson's and then he drove yeah, ford yeah. do you remember how much clyde barrow loved the ford v8 oh yeah, yeah, he, yeah. that he wrote yeah, to yeah, henry yeah. ford to sell him yes 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 well dillinger got a v8 as well so when he switched to ford ford put in their brochures <laughs> Will they catch John Dillinger? Not until they get him out of a Ford V8. Wow. Wow. That was in their brochures. I'm, I'm trying <laughs> to think was... of an equivalent like for nowadays, but there's there's not really, is there? I mean, they just can't be, sure. Because yeah, yeah, if you know who someone is, you just go get them. <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah. Is it uh, Bundy in a Buick? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Charlie Madsen in a Chevy? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow, wow. The, um, presumably, they Ford gave him a car. No, he's, no, he's a criminal <laughs> No, I know, car. but they're Sponsored just yeah, but they're Ford. but they're like using his quotes and putting his yeah, name it, all over the place. Yeah, because he's famous. They're just, they're just, they're oh right, so they just did him. They're just nicking his name. He's right, nicking oh, right. all the money. Okay, all right, fine. He's a criminal. They're just stealing. Yeah, sure. Not, what's he going to do? Stand up in court and sue him? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, they'd get more publicity if they gave him a car. But anyway, I suppose he wasn't very nice <laughs> even <laughs> Ford couldn't wouldn't think actually do you know what let's give him the car because this will go down well but it, <laughs> I mean it yeah. sounds as if it might have done if you claim that 
he was well, mega popular. I don't, I don't claim these podcasts. <laughs> you just did. You don't need to That's give him fact. one. He'll just come and take one. I just come yeah, and get sure, one. Yeah, sure, yeah. If he wants <laughs> it, say he'll have it. When I yeah. say he switched to a V8, I don't mean he part exchanged the Hudson. Right. Oh, okay. <laughs> <He> just... <laughs> uh, I don't seem to have all the paperwork. No, no, he just... Uh, waltzed in and got one. <laughs> just was like, That'll no, do. Okay. I'll have one of that's what I need to do to get a better car. Yeah, just stroll into the parking lot yeah. and take one. <laughs> so we spend the second half of 1933 robbing banks and police stations. And then come January in uh, 1934, there's a fire in a hotel in Tucson, Arizona. And the firemen recognised Russell Clark and Charles Mackley from photos. Okay. So they yep. call the police. The police turn up and arrest them, and they find Pierpont and Dillinger. And they find three Thompson machine guns, two Winchesters, five bulletproof vests, and $25,000. Oh. Okay. So they're all banged to rights. They are, yeah. You've got to love a Thompson. <laughs> you got to love a Tommy Gunley. <laughs> now, th- this, this, bit gets, this bit gets fun, because um, Dillinger is held at Crown Point County Jail in Indiana to await trial for the murder of the police officer. Now... This county jail is claimed to be escape-proof. Yeah, Not another that's one. That's what they always say. Don't even think about trying to escape. And we all we all know what happens when they that claim say is made. That. I wonder what the end of this sentence is going to be. <laughs> so what he did was, he, well, he escaped, obviously. Right. Oh, okay. Red Fine. rag to uh, an escapologist. Yep. Yeah. That is, but it's brilliant because he escaped using a wooden gun that he carved himself. <laughs> Meaning it just looked like a gun. It looked like a gun. And or he, it uh, fired black... wooden bullets. <laughs> it fired splinters. <laughs> right, okay. So it's uh, like yeah. so it's like in Play It Against Sam. Uh, is it Play It Against Sam? Where he made a no, gun it, out of soap. It's t- Take the Money and Run. Oh, sorry. Of course it was. So it's like in Take the Money and Run where he carved a gun out of a bar of soap. Is it? Yeah. Is it it's basically a, a looking gun? It would have been brown and splintery. And it's not like two fingers underneath a cloth, is it? It's not pretending <laughs> that you've got a gun. No. When no, he your, got it from a... You're po- pointing your pocket at someone to say, <laughs> stick <them> up. <laughs> he carved it out of a piece of wood, apparently from a shelf unit in his cell. And he he carved it and he blacked it up with uh, boot polish. And it's, it's funny you should That's say... That's what about happened in Take the Money and Run as well. Yes, because Take the Money and Run... Yes. Based that idea on uh, the story. I didn't even know that. Right, right. There you go. But it so it worked, and it worked. Yeah. What is it with wooden guns, papier mâché heads, <laughs> that constantly fools people who work in prisons? <laughs> yeah. He uh, he pulled out the wooden gun. He forced them to open the cell. He stole machine guns, obviously. He locked up the guards, and then he stole the sheriff's police car. Oh yeah, good. And um, that's when he made the mistake that brought in the FBI. I'm going to call them yeah. the FBI. They weren't the FBI at the time. They weren't the FBI until 1935. But at the time, they were the Department of Investigation. But for our purposes, it's the FBI. Okay. I wonder what the uh, sheriff's car was. I wonder what make. I don't honestly know that one. If that wasn't a Hudson or a Ford, that would have sent a whole <laughs> campaign slogan up the spout. Oh, God, he's gone and stolen a Chevy. <laughs> That's ruined it. <laughs> so the problem for him was that he, having stolen the sheriff's car, he crossed over the uh, Illinois-Indiana state line, making it a federal offence. Because uh, okay, so now 
you got the FBI involved. Right. Not because of the murder and the robbery, because of transporting a stolen car. Uh, okay. Right. So Dillinger joins his girlfriend, Evelyn Billy Freshette, in Chicago as he gets a new <laughs> gang together, including people named Homer Van Meter, Eddie Green, Tommy Carroll, and one Lester Gillis, also known as Babyface Nelson. Right, right. Now, there's an incident in March of 1934. This is how close they are to getting caught. Many times close to getting caught. March 20th, Dillinger and Freshette were uh, in an apartment in St. Paul, Minnesota. And then acting on a tip-off they received from the building, the feds placed the apartments under surveillance. Long story short, a couple of feds knock at the apartment. Freshette says she's not dressed. Come back later. Van Meter's come down the stairs. The feds see him. He says he's a soap salesman for some reason. One of the feds follows him downstairs and Van Meter turns around and starts shooting at him. The feds outside shoot out the tyres of his car and he jumped on the side of a coal truck and escaped that way. Meanwhile, upstairs, while the sound of the gunshots, Dillinger fires through the apartment door with a Thompson at the other feds. There's a shootout in the hallway. Dillinger gets shot in the leg. The feds retreat and Dillinger and Freshette escape out the back. Now, this is a story that happens a few times. This whole... Well, that exact story... <laughs> No, it's just the, the feds approach, there's a shootout, and they right. escape out the back. You really? think someone would go round the back? Yeah. Sure, so, yeah, yeah. Or aim better. Yeah. Even in uh, even in Charlie Peace, someone always went round the back. That's why he they landed did. on it. Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they weren't even they weren't even looking for him then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they would just go round the back, wouldn't they? Just go round the back. Why? Tell them. Just go round the back. <laughs> and there's another incident in April... Um, Dillinger was supposed to go to a meeting in a tavern. He got a bit suspicious, so he sent uh, Billy, Billy, his girlfriend, Freshette, in in front of him. And sure enough, there was federal agents inside. They immediately arrest her. He drove away, and Billy didn't give him up, so she got sentenced to two years for harbouring. Right, okay. um, So basically, he didn't see her again, because she's gone to prison. And he died. He died. <laughs> he died. <laughs> Mainly. So, on April 22nd, the FBI gets a call saying that Dillinger's hiding in a in Little Bohemia in Wisconsin. So they're getting around. They're all over. Yeah. Several agents went there. Three men left the building and drove away. The FBI called out for them to stop, but they didn't. So they opened fire. And then, as they're shooting at this car, the upstairs windows of the, of the house fire down on the feds as well. And the feds take cover. And Dillinger, guess what? Escapes out the back. Of course he does. Incidentally, to that um, to that occasion, one of the agents went to phone for backup, and the operator interrupted the call and said, "There's another incident incident down the road." So he took another agent down with him down the road. They pull up alongside a car, and Lester Gillis is inside, holding some townspeople hostage, and he opened fire on the officers, shot the officers, and stole their car. And ran out the back. I ran out the back. <laughs> yeah, got in done. the car. Got in the car. Ran out the back. Right, oh, right. So there's robbery. There's shootouts. There's narrow escapes. It's constant. Yes. For a few months. Now, by the time we get to late May of 1934, Dylan just decided he's going to do some plastic surgery on himself. Not on himself. <laughs> <but> <laughs> what do you mean? What, what do you mean? Gonna, he's just decided he's going to do some plastic surgery. Has, well, he, been thinking, has he been injured? Well, he doesn't want to. It's trying to reduce his amount of recognition he gets. In fact, it's oh, okay. when you look. Right, right. Yeah, so it doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who wants to reduce the amount of recognition he gets. 
If anything, he well, wants to increase it. Well, he's, yeah, I mean, it, I, presumably he's loving the, the attention in the sense of the, the media, but he doesn't want to be shot at everywhere he goes, I don't think. <laughs> right, right, right. How was um, plastic surgery back then? What was its parameters? Was it horrendous? Kind of uh, well, l- lottery yeah. of, it was essentially, of what it could was happen? It was invented as a result of the World War. Then. Yeah. Right, yes, of this, course it was. No, it's yeah, just yeah, yeah. trauma surgery to fix, you know, serious harm that had gone. So by then, yeah. so we're talking 20 years, so that was, so 15 years previously was obviously the end of, well, do you mean, do you mean well, First World War or do you mean other yeah, no, Bo- Boas Boas and Crimeas? No, no, yeah, <laughs> First World War, the Great War. Right, right. The Great so, War. So the one the Americans were in. Only 15 years earlier, um, yeah. it was they used it for, you know, for good. But and, yeah. and in 15 short years, it had become. Oh, I think I need a. I fancy a new nose. <laughs> it, yeah, is that let's... essentially? It's uh, it had turned into um, some <laughs> something. Well, that, it had turned cosmetic. This, yeah, the yes. skills that people will have developed over years of working with soldiers during the war. Sure. And then, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. suddenly they're not getting those patients anymore. So they right, need, right. You know, there'll be a desire to apply those skills somehow. Yeah. 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 And, and it's, of course, it's people. Started. You know, yeah, exactly. On the other hand, don't forget we're talking about a wanted criminal here. So the only person who's going to perform this kinds of operations oh, is yes, going to be yes. someone who's. Uh, yes, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> who's uh, not uh, high minded. Right. It that way. Uh, okay. Yeah. So what did he have done then? Well, he paid $5,000 for a number yep. of facial adjustments. So he had some dimples <laughs> removed, moles removed, he had a scar removed. dimples? Dimples, yeah. We're talking dimples. So, I mean, that's not I, don't really, know, really. I can't imagine how you do that. You don't just fill them in, do you? You push, push <laughs> from the other side. Yeah, you just you, you close your mouth and puff out your cheeks. Yeah, you just, you, I've got... I've got to. I don't understand how you would. No, unless it's. I like mean, I could get rid of him by not smiling ever. <laughs> Maybe I've that's why it. he's got that expression on his face. In his oh, yeah. Please don't he's smile. Avoiding John. smiling. Yeah. So what did you say? <laughs> Pimples, go. spots, a scar, some moles. A scar. Okay. So the yeah, remedy for a scar adjusted. is to cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Look, I'm not a I'm not a cosmetic surgeon. I just know that he had the work done. In fact, it probably wasn't that much work because he himself was not very happy with the outcome. And he said, right, "I've looked, okay. I look exactly the same." They just can't get my nose right. Probably why he grew a mustache. Well, that did the trick. He looks totally different with a mustache. True. You know, um, Kirk Douglas. No, I'm aware of it. Imagine if he didn't have a very recognisable chin. No one would know. Uh, what do you call it? What do you call his little cleft chin? A cleft chin. Yeah. The um, exactly. No one know who he is. It's it's. Uh, I mean, I'm aware his acting and <laughs> Hollywood star <laughs> is the uh, is the main reason. But he, you know, he is. Uh, if he'd got that removed, he de- well, it was a, again. It was allegedly. Uh, it was adjusted. It was partially filled in. Whatever that means. But it still has it, it's just not as pronounced. Okay. I bet he looks... I bet... Anyway. He wasn't very happy with it. I think he'd been thinking about it for a couple of months, apparently. And then, so they finally got it done. But, again, I mean, it was... He does look different to the earlier photos. Oh, he does. Hugely, yeah. It's not huge. 
If anything, the moustache makes much more difference than anyone. <laughs> and that's just a week's worth of that's a week's worth not it. shaving. Um, in the beginning of June, he and Van Meter both had their fingerprints removed as well, Blimey. which was yeah, basically yeah. basically burned off with acid. In fact. Really? Yeah, yeah. Mm. He paid a hundred dollars a digit for that. Excellent. Very good. Can did you did your toe have a yeah individual yeah. toe print? Yeah, yeah. Do you think he did his toes as well? No, I wouldn't have thought so. I don't think he goes out on the job without any shoes and socks on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a point. Yeah, they, of course, that that instantly <laughs> stops that recognition, doesn't it? And, and I could have bought gloves. <laughs> and I doubt, well, exactly. Yeah. I doubt he's skillful enough to pull the trigger with his second toe. <laughs> or yeah, unlock a safe. Yeah. <laughs> oh, using only his toes. So by the time we get to July 1934, the feds have got no leads and Dillinger's effectively dropped off the earth. But in actual fact, he's living in Chicago under an alias of Jimmy Lawrence. He's got a job as a clerk, or a clerk, depending on where you come from. He's spending his time going to Cubs games at Wrigley Field. Well, hang on. So he's just living a perfectly normal life? Mm. Perfectly normal life, yeah. Right. Number one most wanted criminal in America. Seems a bit of a new leaf. It's the moustache. It is, yeah. Or the surgery. Yeah. Moustache and a pair of glasses, nobody knows who you are. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Dillard <laughs> a Groucho Marx disguise. You're done. <laughs> He's dating a waitress named Polly Hamilton. Now, Hamilton is a spitting image of Prochette, apparently. Okay. So he's got a type. Yeah. Now, she, came, she came to Chicago as a prostitute, but she's now a waitress. She was friends with a Romanian immigrant and a brothel madam named Anna Capanis, also known as Anna Sage. Yep. Now, Sage was in a pinch because uh, she was facing deportation on account of her profession. They considered her an undesirable alien. And now that the, with the reward on Dillinger now up to $25,000, she figured, maybe I can barter to prevent my deportation. Uh, okay, yeah, by providing some whereabouts information. Yeah, now contrary to popular belief, he was not turned in by his girlfriend, Polly Hamilton. Yep. He was turned in by his girlfriend's friend. So she called the feds who said they would talk to immigration and naturalisation on account of her help. So she told them that she, Polly and Dillinger were going to the movies the following day at either the Biograph or the Marlborough uh, Cinema Theatre. Yep. So the feds sent agents to both theatres and by arrangement Sage wore a, a red dress, possibly orange. And at oh, so they could pick her out. Yeah, take a pick her out, yeah. Yep. And then at 8.30 that evening, the three of them entered the Biograph to see a film starring Clark Gable. Oh, right. um, okay. It was a man, Manhattan melodrama. Who they who they arrested for looking like John Dillinger? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Has anyone seen that? Film? I haven't seen it. Which one? Manhattan melodrama. Manhattan no. melodrama. No. In this film, just one question: Was there a duck who, when the explosion is happens, his bill goes around the back of his head, and then in order to talk, he has to put it back this way? There you go. That was a good film go. review. <laughs> See that? No. <laughs> At 10.30 they come out and, there's, and an agent um, lit a cigar in an adjacent doorway to signal to the other agents. Dillinger, apparently immediately cottoning on, made a run for it. He headed for an alley. He was trying to reach into his pocket for his 38 automatic he was carrying. But three agents followed him into the alley and fired five shots. Dillinger took a couple of superficial injuries, but one shot severed his spinal cord and went through his brain. And he went down and he died without a word. 
So how would. does it do that? He, he must have been. It just seems a funny, funny angle. Well, bullets have a tendency to ping around. So yeah. It's probably struck off the bone. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He might have had his head bowed. Yeah, or he was. Yeah, well, he would have been running. Would have been running. He could have uh, pinged off a spot. He could have been bone. ducking. Yeah. That's his fatal mistake. But it went into his it went into his neck, through the spine, through his yeah. through his brain, came out of his right eye. Oh god. So oh. not a pretty picture. Wow. Mm. It'll that take more than a bit of plastic own. surgery to fix that. Yeah. Yeah. That would have ruined his dimples. <laughs> so contrary contrary again, he had to uh, yep. to what the movies would have us believe. He didn't say anything when he went down. He had no final last word. Why? What do you mean? What what was he have meant to uh, said ow <laughs> <laughs> well I know I know that the movie Public Enemies with Johnny Depp had him say yep. something ah my spinal cord <laughs> that's smart my spinal cord at brain and subsequent left arm <laughs> all the bits of me head what was it I can't remember I don't know what it is what do you mean you can't remember that's I can't I'm, not good what enough. are you <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Memory, Everett. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing it from your head. Sorry. So, in um, Public Enemies, the movie with Johnny Depp, um, yep. he says, bye bye, Blackbird. <laughs> Where's the last words? <laughs> with, Sorry, did he play Did he play John Dillinger? He played Dillinger, yeah. Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. It's a bit of a, a random thing to say, isn't it? I don't know what the context is. Can you? Yeah, can you explain what the link is there? Yes, uh, so <laughs> uh, Billy Freshette, his girlfriend who who went to prison, she yes. she had dark skin on account of being a, a um, menomini, which is a menomini, a spiky sea creature. <laughs> no, she's a member of a very respected nation of Native Americans. Okay, okay, it's a menomini, or it's also known as. A, Mamakator. Apologies for my pronunciation. Mamakator. Yeah. So basically, she's uh, of, of American Indian descent from that region in sort of Wisconsin, Michigan. Okay. Wow. So she had dark skin. So they, they added this. So they decided to put a, yeah put a reference into her as he was dying. So now Dillinger. Bit weird. America's public enemy number one is gone. Yep. He's dead. He's out of the picture. Now the. FBI spent more money on investigating this than he ever stole. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> to be fair, the um, they were probably as interested in the various murders of policemen, but, as opposed to solely on the money. But. Yeah, absolutely. So he probably stole in the region of about $500,000, which is about $7 million currently, in, okay. in that year. Yeah. And the investigation cost about four times that. Wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, I mean, they really want it. This is going to make or break the, the Department of Investigation. This is basically sure, getting yeah. Dillinger was part of what formed the FBI. It made it a creditable organisation. Wow. That photo of his body being viewed by those girls is just yeah. one of the weirdest things I've seen. Yeah. yeah. It's just... That's, yeah, that's that kind of morbid spectacle that doesn't really happen anymore, does it? I... No, I don't think so. Well, I would hope, hope, hope not. <laughs> I think it went out with um, capital punishment, didn't it, really? Yeah. 
It, it reminds me, it kind of reminds me very much actually of those images you see now of hunters with their deer. Yeah. It's that, that it's, it's kind of post-coital. Yes. It's that, that gleeful enjoyment in the death of the other thing. It's Yeah. Mm. There's a lot of crossover between them and Bonnie and Clark. I know it's the same, only a couple of months apart, but this whole yeah. exhibitionism of the... I'm kind of with Pierpoint on the idea that once once they've paid their debt, once they've died, you know, yeah, then they're in then they're innocent. It's just a body. Yeah. Yes. And it should be treated with respect from that point. Yeah, exactly. So with uh, with Dillinger's death, his body goes on display at the morgue, and fifteen thousand people file past to look at the body. Wow. First dead body I've ever seen. Look different in real life. Why would it go on display? Because he's famous. I mean, that's not a reason, but yeah, it's just a fa- he's a celebrity, and people want to be part of the story. You know, they want to really? see the person they've heard about. Right. Okay. I can't, I can't believe that the F- or whoever said, yeah, yeah, definitely put him on display. Um, well, it's bragging would, as well. It's going, look, look, we got him. Be, Here he is. We're not just saying uh, it. You right, can see uh, for yourself. Okay. I thought it's it not really TV, is there? Where they yeah. can just announce it and show a still. Yeah, you right, put him right. behind a yeah, you put him behind a glass window and let everybody see it. Yeah, like Lenin. It's it's still pretty grotesque, though, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of it from the point of view of um, don't put him on display. It will just uh, heighten his popularity or something like that. Yeah. But the reason is for to say yeah. Here he is. Yeah, I mean, it's like you say, oh, you've put it in the newspaper, Dillinger's dead. Everyone's going to go, yeah, I bet you ain't, though. <laughs> sure, <laughs> He's still yeah. alive. Right, oh, uh, okay. Just, so not, you need They couldn't get him, they just telling us. They're saying, nope, here he is. There is no life in this body. There'll be some fraud story. He goes, no, no, I'm John Dillinger. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm Dillinger. Yeah. No, I'm Dillinger. And so is my wife. <laughs> yeah. I'm Kirk Douglas. <laughs> uh, so 15,000 people view the body and 5,000 people would turn up at his funeral, even though they tried oh, to keep it a secret. <laughs> Whereabouts is he um, buried? He's buried in Crown Hill Cemetery in Indianapolis. His casket mm-hmm. was covered in concrete to keep people from digging him up. Blimey. Yeah, sure. His headstone has been stolen many times. Really? So you, can, can we go and see it? The, uh... If you want, let's go. Really? <laughs> yeah. Let's do it. Start the car. Go and start the Hudson. <laughs> oh. oh, I'll go in the Ford then. <laughs> hey, don't knock the V8. <laughs> Is there? I would imagine there's a lot of pop cull. Okay, first and foremost, there's a lot of... Uh, uh, at the time, there's going to be a lot of movies that come out that are an homage if you like they take details of the story and they fictionalise it yeah okay yeah, so yeah. bearing in mind this is July 1934 he's killed, killed. 1935 yep. <laughs> straight away yeah MGM releases a movie called Public Hero Number 1 oh <laughs> god really yeah 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 oh, wow. and it's got a lot of the details from Dillinger um, that are fictionalised sure. so there's a gun battle in Wisconsin there's the and the, and, um, the gangster um, is killed as he leaves the theatre so 
they take a few different ideas like that. And um, 1941, you may be familiar with the film High Sierra, Humphrey Bogart. Yeah, yeah. That's again. There's a loose, loosely based elements of that on Dillinger as well. Um, you've got a movie called Dillinger in 1945. You've got. Sorry, to go back to the um, MGM one. Yes, sir. Did they? How did they make him a hero? How did they turn the story into? Or did they not? They just went. Whatever. Yeah, they're just again. They're Isn't taking it? the the interesting parts, the parts that. Did they get to... rid of the fact that he killed various people? Well, I haven't seen it personally. Okay. But um, that what they're doing is what, what movies began to do at that time, which was to take the drama of it and, and play up on the drama rather than the sensationalised. Yeah, right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, 1945 is a movie come out comes out called Dillinger. Yeah. Uh, there's a bunch of movies around the other characters as well. So there's um, Mickey Rooney plays Babyface Nelson in 57, and there's Dillinger's good casting. Yeah, absolutely. Not that I know what Babyface Nelson looks like, but. In my head, he looks like Mickey Rooney. <laughs> Honestly, not far off. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> not far off at all. Oh, raspberries. I've had it. So there's a bunch of films, 65, 69, 71, there's all sorts of movies come out. 1973, there's a film called Dillinger again, but this is... Well, that one I have watched. There you go. Have you? Yeah. Is that's, it, is it good? good? fun. Yeah, it's good fun. It's rubbish, but it's good fun. <laughs> <laughs> is it... Why is it serious? No, no, it's not serious. Well, it's as any kind of heisty gangster movie can be made in 1973. It's yeah, you know, it's farcical almost, but it's really good fun. <laughs> Who's in it? Uh, Warren Oates Warren plays Oates. Dillinger. Who it remarkably looks like if the police walked in, they'd arrest Warren Oates instead of Dillinger. <laughs> so, <laughs> Again, good casting, yeah. is it? Yeah. I don't know who Warren Oates is. Who's Warren Oates? You know Dillinger? <laughs> oh, yeah. Just looks, looks, looks like just him. like him. Yeah. Warren Oates, he was in um, The Brinks Job, I think. Was, was he? he? I think so, yeah. Wasn't he in The Wild Bunch? The Wild Bunch, the Sam Peckin part. Okay. Not Hall and. Hall and Oates. <laughs> yeah, Hall he and was in The Wild Bunch. He was yeah. in The Wild Bunch. Yeah. Yeah. And he was in uh, Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia as well. Of course he was. I was about no, to say it? that. <laughs> Is it also true that J. Edgar Hoover banned the film coming out? Uh, I don't. He wanted script changes. Which one? The Woman in Red? I don't know about that one. Which, which one are you referring to? The first one? Yeah. Um, must have been the first one, sure. Yeah, it was, I think it must have been the 1934 one. And then later he recorded... 35. A, um, <laughs> he recorded a bit that came out at the beginning of the film. Uh, just before he died. Oh, right. Oh, well, well. This film glorifies criminal activity. <laughs> now, in 1979, there's a film called The Lady in Red. Okay. Now, in this one, uh, Robert Conrad plays Dillinger, and the lady in red, from the title, is in the film... It's is from the movie ...is his girlfriend in that film. Ah, in the red dress. In the red dress. Oh, okay. And not... So, in real life, it was the friend. In the real life, it was the friend, Anna Sage... Uh, but in that movie, 79, they say, it's no, it's the, the girlfriend. Now, that might have informed later people saying his girlfriend betrayed him. Because it wasn't. No, okay. I, of all the bits to the story, now knowing that a film was not based around it, but the, you know, the title was taken from the uh, girlfriend's friend saying, I'm going to wear a red dress... Mm. 
I can completely understand that you should hone in on that because it's pretty, it's pretty good, isn't it? It's I'm going to wear a bright red dress, yeah. to so you know who who I am. Yeah, yeah. The um, obviously it wouldn't would have fallen apart if seventeen other women had worn bright red dresses, but uh, you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> luckily. So apparently, um, after Dillinger was killed, coming out of the theatre. Mm-hmm. Uh, an unknown person wrote on the sidewalk in chalk the following oh, yeah. poem. There was a young <laughs> murderer called John. I mean, that, that would have been terrible. <laughs> I'm a Tennyson man myself. Stranger, stop and wish me well. Just a prayer for my soul in hell. I was a good fellow, most people said. Betrayed by a woman all dressed in red. That's all for this time. If you want to know more about what we've discussed over the course of this episode, just Google it or something. You can see daily true crime updates on our Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. You can email us or you can support the show with a PayPal donation. And links to all of those are on our website at truecrimediary.co.uk. Don't forget to send us a review or post one in your podcast service if you can. And all five-star reviews will get a shout-out on a future episode. Join us next time when we'll be similarly discussing and digressing on another event in true crime history. Until then, my thanks to Jed and Rue. My name's Mark and we'll see you on the next date in our True Crime Diary.